So you so you've eaten sugar and fried food. Yep. Uh, but but now you're kvetching well, over. because I've already eaten that. So a eating mini a mini Snickers bar. Well, I just don't have a mini Snickers bar. I'm saying the difference between a mini and a full Snickers bar. You know, it's many mini Snickers bars. Uh, okay. Hey, it's uh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> In fact, it's it's still Tuesday. <sighs> so uh, Bill is. If you're listening to this right now, then Bill is on vacation. Yeah, I will be in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico this time. Santa Fe, New Mexico, somewhere. Uh, finding his his chi power Get, center. Getting my Georgia O'Keefe on. Yes. Although I'm never a big uh, fan of her work. Well, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so it's still Tuesday. Uh, we, we just recorded last week's show uh, a, a couple hours ago, and now we're doing this week's show because we're here for you. We can't get enough. <laughs> we're, we're, we're unstoppable. <laughs> we, we actually do this eight hours a day. We just put out two hours a week. (laughs) There's a backlog of 478 shows that, you know, just there's, there's two or three guys out there who are going, wait, can we get access to this? Are you going to put those up somewhere? Can you get a link? (laughs) No bail word. You can't get a link. (laughs) Uh, So uh, yeah, I'm, you know, as a couple hours ago, uh, I'm, I'm still Jeffrey Sidoris, and and you're still Bill Wadman. You know, I ju- I was just emailing with uh, Alan Bellward a minute ago. Yeah, he was asking me a question that I never heard of. Is there a function on? He was telling me on Pentax, there's a function that if you are in manual mode, there's a button you can push that sort of snaps the exposure, like the aperture and the shutter speed, to the correct exposure in manual, and then you can fiddle from there. But it sort of like gets you to center instantly. Oh. Huh. And he was asking me if there's a similar thing on, on Canon and how do you do it? And I was like, I've never even heard of such a thing. Yeah, I'm sure they're very well maybe. So you never knew of anything like that on, on no, Nikon. No. Yeah, there, me either. There, the only thing I've heard, like, like on my X-Pro, if you're in manual focus, mm-hmm. you, can, you can set the, uh, the AE lock button to, to snap the correct focus and then fine tune it. But it doesn't do exposure as well that i know of yeah like it was even like yeah it was just strange it like just it pops exposure to what it should be in manual mode that's kind of neat and then you can kind of tweak from there yeah i pentax if if there isn't an equivalent thing which there very well may be and i'm just spacing out yeah um uh you know i as i told him i was just like i'm the kind of guy who turns off all 63 other focus points and just uses the center you know, it's like, I, right. I never use any of the fancy stuff just cause I don't know. I just never do. It's weird. And uh, it's a wonder that given that it's a wonder that your photos are sharp because you shoot such shallow depth of field and you're like a get focus and recompose. So you'd think that, you know, that, that, that the edge of that triangle. Out. And yeah. sometimes it does. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In which case then I'm choosing photos. Although, you know what? The short depth of field thing. I do sometimes, but I do it a lot less than I used to. Like I used to be really into that shooting it, you know, one, two, or even like two Oh, like shooting that kind of thing and shooting portraits that way. Right. And lately I, I'm doing more of a five, six F eight kind of thing. Like I'm more, huh. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm maturing in my, <laughs> it's just <laughs> funny how like the, over time, you know, you just naturally, right. Oh, I'm starting to like this color red now, you know? Right. Um, Your aesthetic is, is maybe, maybe shifting. Yeah. And every once in a while I pop back to it and I'm like, Oh, that's Mm -hmm. fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know what I noticed when I, when I was playing with that crazy Zeiss lens that, that Claude was playing with that day, the Oh nine five or whatever it was. Yeah. The Otis or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Um, 
that that I actually enjoyed using it wide open far more. I mean, that was only manual. So it's like I never even think to really use my 85 or 50 in manual focus mode just because I don't find that my eyes are accurate enough in a viewfinder mm-hmm. to know if it's in focus. Uh, but I actually, the, the Otis picture, I did pretty good. So I was thinking, you know, next time when I'm doing that short depth of field, I should just focus manually, you know. Anyway. What are what are the uh, what do the indicators look like in in Canon when you're using manual focus when you when you're spot on? Is there, it just a little there's light? red dots that pop up? Yeah, like oh, okay. it, basically it, it lights up where it would have lit up if you were using autofocus. Right. Know? Okay. Um, but you know, interestingly enough, I don't think that it was doing it when I was playing with the Zeiss. Because I do it so rarely, I don't even know. Like maybe I have something turned off somewhere in a custom setting or something. Well, it, you know, if if the Zeiss is an all manual, maybe it's not communicating that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah but you think that the autofocus system in the camera would be looking through the lens and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's in focus now." You know, right? Um, that is one of the things I, I I must say about EVFs that I like is the focus peaking that, that you can get. Yeah, uh, yeah, or or the zooming in thing. Right, that's kind of right. handy sometimes. And sometimes yeah. when I have it on a even my 5D on a tripod, I'll use the um, the auto, the live view mode on the back screen. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm doing some still life thing, I'll use the I'll use that so then I can manually focus it ten times and then take the picture. But that's like if it's all locked down and I'm doing sure that sure thing, you know? sure. Um, so yeah yeah that that is handy. I just you know it's it's hard to is that because we're and I'm not even making a joke about that is 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 it because we're getting old that it's harder to focus manually? Do you think our eyes are getting worse or do you think that viewfinders are getting worse? Well, I have a thought on that. I have a thought on that. Okay. Um, One of the things that you have to remember coming from an older film camera background is we had something, and this may be a new term for for some of you, and I don't mean this sarcastically at all, but the type of, of... Focus screen in the older cameras was called a split prism. Oh, God, I wish they made – well, they actually do make them, I think, for my camera. I just never get around to getting one. And they're very expensive to have done. I think they're four or 500 bucks to have it done. <laughs> they're lovely, but though. they are amazing for manual focus. And, and basically, what, what a split prism – there was a, 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 an outer ring in the center of, of the focus screen. And then inside that ring, there was a, a, a prism that would slide – uh, apart and when it when it slid together and and the the lines of your composition were were lined up then it was in focus and there was also a little ring around it that had how would you do like a shimmer to yep. it and when it was out of focus that ring would shimmer and then when it was in focus it would be clear and and oh i miss those yeah and just yeah lining up the diagonals and stuff like straight yep. lines getting them to like line up it's yeah. similar to Similar yet different to using uh, 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 an actual old school rangefinder where the two images sort of have to overlap in order to get it right, in focus. Right. Um, so I, th- I think yeah, that is one thing right, that made it basically easier. Basically, it was like it was it was not about you seeing it in focus. It was about actually lining up stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And and if you ever tried to use just a, a matte focus screen, well, you've done it because you, you've shot medium and large format. Sure. It's still hard, yeah. even though you've got a large screen to look at. It's still tough without that kind of shimmer well, to get it right on. In 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 unlike the Hasselblad, you have the pop up eyepiece, the the magnifier, oh, the, the so little magnifier, can, yeah. yeah. And then uh, on on large format, you're you're using a loop usually. Ah, okay, okay. So so yeah, there's 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 tricks to make it work anyway. Yeah. Now apparently, uh, the the uh, X100T 
T, the new Fuji X100T. Yeah, it has some has, other weird thing. Yeah, it's it's got an inset EVF. So you're looking OVF, you're looking at, at an optical viewfinder, but then in the bottom right corner, there's a, a, a like a quarter screen or, or a fifth of the screen zoomed in as an EVF overlay with focus peaking. Is that Which only I, when you're focusing? Uh, I'm not sure. I've not used one yet. I just read about it and it sounded really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that was like the one that I had, the X100S. When you manually focused, it would it would jump to EVF and it would zoom in. You right, I mean? and this, like, this is different. This right, is different. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's all these like little crazy tricks. I don't know. I just, the, the split was really nice. Yep. Um, you know, I'll to, I'll do, I'm going to do some research and uh, uh, see if there's one for the, for the 5D. Yeah, um, okay. Anyway, so, hey, uh, th- we forgot to say, this is on Taking Pictures. Did we say that? I don't think we did. <laughs> so it is, uh, if you're wondering what you're listening to, uh, th- th- this is on Taking Pictures. I, so. I, yeah. If if they're not back in yet, if they're just like, what the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> yeah. So. So excellent. That. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So um, what are we talking about? Well, you, you, you put out a call, uh, to, to not, it's not, it's not a Q and a show, yeah, but, but it's a topics topics. So to, it's a TNA show. It's, TNA. T- <laughs> it's topics and answers. <laughs> oh, that's so wrong. It is. It is. Uh, uh yeah. Hmm. Let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> I think we're a little punchy. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so basically, you, you kind of asked, "Hey, are there are there things that that you've not specific questions, but are there topics that that you would like to hear a yeah. little more about, or, or or something?" And and we got a bunch of as as is the case with the Q and A shows, we got a bunch of responses. Yeah, we did, and I thought we'd just go through these. People like these ones just because we have topics that you and I may not think of getting to. A lot of topics, yeah, yeah, or topics that we spend way too long on and don't get away from, yeah. Yeah. So this this is nice. Uh, so you want to just jump into this, or what do you? Sure, do? sure. Okay. Take take it away. Should, Bill. should I do the names and read these things, or should I just sort of pull out the the idea? Uh, let, let's let I don't know. Just pull out the idea. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Greg was asking. All right. So he's talking about you know how I use that quote, the Jay Mazel quote. If you want to make more interesting pictures, be a more interesting person. Sure. Very famous quote. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> So wouldn't it be funny if it never happened? Like it's just this yeah, urban Jay's just photography like, What are you legend. talking about? I never said that. I, I'll ask him next time I see him. <laughs> be like, Jay, do you ever do that? He's like, Wadman, yeah. you are a, you know. Yeah. Um, he, so uh, he, basically he's asking, uh, how does, how do you go about becoming a more interesting person? Like, and it, it, beyond taking more pictures and doing projects or whatever it is like, you know, uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's interesting. It's like using, you know, clicking the lens and using in Lightroom isn't the whole story. And that's true. Right. I mean, how do you find, is, is your artistic sensibility a built-in thing or something that, that, that you can consciously improve? Or is it something that you just improve by living your life? I think you, I, I think you can drive that with intent and, and, and Greg brings up uh, a terrific uh, uh, candid frame interview um, between Ralph Gibson and Abario Nex, where where Gibson basically says, "Look, you need to study cinematography. You need to look at literature. You need to look at architecture. You need to look at choreography." Um, and I think those are things that Jay has said as well. Yeah. And I I think that makes sense. If now the the rub comes that 
if those things are work in quotes for you, yeah, you're less likely to do them. If, if you don't inherently like art or architecture or dance, or if you're really honed in on focusing on photography, then those things are going to potentially become distractions for you because all you're really thinking about is photography. Right. Well, you know, I think that the, the problem with this whole idea is that I think in general, <clears throat> all the other things that you do in your life beyond photography all speak to photography in the end. Right. So, you know, whether so for 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 Ralph Gibson, it may be cinematography and literature and architecture and choreography, but maybe for somebody else, it's parenting and travel and, right, you right. know, whatever. Right. Um, like I'm going to New Mexico this this week and, and you know what? I'm going. Well, yes. You're in New Mexico. Oh, right. Right now. <laughs> Hold on a second. I, sh- I should get back to New Mexico. Conrad's waiting for me. Um, but but for me, I, you know, I, like we've talked about before, like I don't take that many pictures when I'm traveling just because I want to just enjoy traveling with my partner. You know, like but, I just want to still do absorb the things around you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You still seek those things out, whether yep. or not you record them on film or, or on a sensor. Absolutely. I see stuff. Know, I eat card. stuff. I look yep. I look at the, I look at the stars in the middle of the night off the desert, like all of those things inform me living in the city the way I do. I choose to do that because having more people around, well, helps me with my mood and stuff, but it also, it's just, it's just more input. You know what I mean? Um, so so can you, can you feign that interest? I guess, I guess you can, but that that feels really like erudite and weird to me. Yeah. Very like, uh, Chicago great books, you know, like all that sort of, you need to go read Plato. And if you don't read Plato, you can't understand Western civilization, you know, Right, right, right. Which, which, you know, you can make an argument for, but, you know, if you really don't like choreography, then choreography is not going to speak to you and and give you something that you could use in your photography. You should look at the things you do enjoy doing and, and the things that are in your life. I guess my point is I think everyone has other things that, that feed into their photography. Sure. Sometimes they're too uh, uh, um, narrow-sighted. Well, and to, to your point about – notice. You know, the things in, in, in Gibson's list that, that Connor said are all sort of of the arts. You, you may be inspired by watching auto racing or yeah. by maybe you're a private pilot. Yep. Maybe you like watching <clears throat> medical shows on TV. Yeah. Maybe or you know. spending evenings cuddling with somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is, however you find some sense of humanity. And I think that that's, I mean, beyond the technical stuff, it's about sort of coming to terms with, who you are as a person and, and what you're trying to say and how you like to express yourself. And I mean, that, yeah. so everything feeds into that, right? For, I mean, you for can't me, make a list. it's about getting out from, in, getting out from behind the lens so that you have, so that you have more to put in front of it. Yeah. Right, right, right. And I think that those, I mean, that's the whole, you know, don't spend every moment taking pictures because then you're just seeing the world through a viewfinder. Mm-hmm. Um, and now some people, that that's how they either have to see the world or maybe that's how they get fulfillment in the world is by looking through a view. You know, it's who knows every, I guess the point of this is that everyone is different. <clears throat> and I guess you could, you could say, you know what, if you have no education in art, you know, like if you never went and took Western art classes or Eastern art, you know, just art history right, classes, right. um, 
would it be useful for you to pick up one of those giant fade on books for a hundred bucks and flip through and see where everyone else was coming from and how they built on each other? Yeah, that's probably worth the hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Or, or a library card or a library card. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, but if it doesn't draw you in and make you want to go take classes at the local thing or watch documentaries about Renaissance painters on, on PBS, well then that's okay too. You right. know? Right. Um, I mean, like, you know, I was at the, the Comic-Con last week and you know what? I'm not a big comic fan. I've tried to read them. Right. I just don't enjoy it, you know? And some people are like, what are you out of your mind? You're, it's like, I, I've tried. It just, it, it never grabbed onto me. And that, so that's probably true of, you know, jazz for a lot of people or classical music or, you know, opera or opera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Did we, did yeah. we tap that out? Yeah, Good. I think so. Uh, Martin Dorsch. Let's see. You want to get this one? Yeah, uh, this is kind of abstract. Video questions. Uh, is, is, is video a must for photographers? This is, this is something that, that we've talked about a little bit. Um, and there are some sub-questions here, types of workflows, freehand gorilla style or shooting with a tripod. I, I, it really depends on what type of photography you do, I think. yeah. You know, as a portrait photographer, is video a, a part of your business model? Probably not. But yeah. if you're a journalist, then yes, you're probably being tapped to include uh, ambient sound, interviews, uh, B-roll, uh, you know, this sort of fusion journalism or, yep. or hybrid journalism. Then it becomes something more important. Um, I, I don't know that it's a must I think that it's a very different skill set. Yes. Um, and you know, it's, it's not for everybody in the sense that it's a, it's a very different aesthetic. It's a very different way of working and you may not enjoy working that way, in which case don't, you know, like don't force yourself to do something you can't stand. But like, if you enjoy doing it, give it a shot. You know, like I've, I've done a, a handful of little shorts that I've done on video. I have one that I've sort of been sitting on just cause I got to get people together to do it. And it's been a pain in the neck. Um, but, and I think it's fun, but at the same time, you know, I'll sit down with footage and edit some <clears throat> three minute short together and I'll spend six hours on it. And if, if not more, if, sure. not, if not more, I'm just yeah. throwing out a number. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that I'll look at that and go, Oh my God, I just spent six hours on three minutes when there are plenty of times I've spent six hours or three times that on a single image. Right. On a single frame. So I guess it's just the way that your, your mind works, you know, like I enjoy doing it, but it's a completely different thing. Like trying to get good sound on set, trying yeah. to get video like, yeah, that's not shaky. That has all the right settings that the colors not too whatever it is, because it's much more compressed than, than still. So you can't work as much with it afterwards. And yeah, your, your, your technical considerations sort of increase exponentially yes. as you, as you tackle uh, video versus still video much more than stills requires a team of people to really do right. I mean, there's mm -hmm. stuff I've done alone that's been fine, but you can't juggle everything as one person. Uh, if you're, you know, at a certain point, it just becomes too much, you know, where you kind of have to, which is why when you see a movie set and there's 80 people walking around, they're all doing some job, you know, right. it's just that, that it's just that kind of thing. Um, you know, I don't know. I, like I, uh, he says premiere or final cut. Uh, you know, I've used final cut 10 and I've used the latest premiere and I used final cut 10 for something I was working on recently. And 
I hit a wall with it where it wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. And I was unable to, would it not do it? Or did you just not know the steps involved to do it? It wouldn't do it. Okay. Like I okay. asked, cause those are, those are different things. No, no, no. It like, it, it, you know, I, I, I was just like, I want to do this. And everyone's like, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. And I was like, God, you know, yeah. Because if I had done it in premiere, I would have been able to do that. You know? So if, if you have, if you have any sort of experience in photo e- in, in video editing, you may want to lean towards premiere cause it'll work the way you imagine it working. Uh, Final Cut is very good if you're the kind of person who's going to do metadata and and tag all your clips and do all that kind of stuff. Like it's very good in that way, um, but it can be frustrating at times if if you mm-hmm. hit a wall in which it doesn't work the way you want it to work. Um, yeah, I don't know creative aspects of it, working with time, narrative, sound. I mean, that's the thing. It it's all of those things. It's store. It's it's creating stories. It's it's you know writing scripts. It's trying to get the right. Uh, 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 performance out of an actor. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's so many things. Right. And another thing is like changing light, which is a lot of things still photographers don't think about. Like if you're sitting down and going to have a conversation with somebody in a cafe or whatever it is, well, the light coming through the window is changing that entire time. Right. And so and the if footage you're shooting for gonna, four hours, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, even an hour, even a half yeah. an hour, you'll notice yeah. it move. And so if you're cutting between the things, suddenly you'll see like shadows move and stuff and it, it's distracting. So there's stuff you don't ever have to think about in stills that you suddenly have to think about in, in video. Sure. So not a must. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. It's funny. I saw uh, an article today about, um, how what photographers need to do nowadays is specialize, but then you can find equally as many articles about how you need to diversify yeah, and need, start. Yeah. You so, need to be a generalist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, for God's sakes, would somebody make up their mind? Like, which am I supposed to do? You know? Um, let's see. Why do you think, uh, photography is unique in the art world? So many people focus on gear and not simple practicing in order to improve. Is it marketing? Is it because photography combines art and technology? Is it something else? Hey, did you know, uh, in your years of using, doing paint stuff, yep. have the material, does it, have there ever been like revolutions in materials? Sure. It, even within the time you've been doing it? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is yeah. it, this- I don't know if it's revolution, like it changes things, but like when I, when I found, uh, uh, when I went from like an opaque heavy body acrylic to the golden fluid acrylics, which yeah. are semi-transparent that was i mean for my type of work that was amazing to me because now you're not having to thin these out and make glazes you can still do that but they they go on so well fluidly <laughs> you know yeah um that that was that, so that was, was terrific that was a new product they released as and, it were. uh yeah and i don't and it, it may have been out before i even started using it but when i found it and started using it that it changed the way i i I paint and it changed the type of painting that I do. Do, do. So do you think that if, if golden and whoever else makes paints were coming out with new stuff every year, painting would be ever, could you imagine ever being as equipment driven as photography is? I don't think so. Um, but, and they do come out with stuff. They come out with new gels and glazes and mediums yeah. all the time. Yeah. But people, I think people are more stuck in their ways in painting than they are. Maybe. I'm not, you know, I'm not I mean, saying that as a derogatory thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I mean, to Chris's point, you know, it, it, is it marketing? Well, of course it is. 
Yeah. You know, the, 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 the photo industry depends on you buying a new body yeah. every year or every nine months or every 18, or whatever the cycle is, you know, just like, just like, you know, uh, and maybe that model changes, but you know, it used to be that Photoshop, Adobe banked on you spending X number of dollars every 18 months. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, a lot of it is gear, you know, when, when, my father had, as, as maybe yours did, my father had one 35 millimeter camera my entire childhood. Mm-hmm. One camera, two I, lenses. Look, I think that there's, That's it. I think there's a couple things about that. I think that the photo world changed a lot when SLRs came out in like the late sixties, mm-hmm. you know, when, like when the first Nikons and Canons and the Canon mats and the Nikkor mats and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. <clears throat> I think that photography was relatively stable for a long time. People were shooting 35 millimeter film. Your AE1, yeah, they came out with EOS cameras that had more electronic stuff on them, but they really didn't do anything drastically different. If you didn't need specialized tools for sports or whatever it is, you know, right? Um, the, the, the big things were features, not image quality, right? But I think that even in, I think we've all grown up in photography between say 2004, let's say that was the beginning of the digital SLR revolution, like the digital rebel. Mm-hmm. D 70 age um, until maybe two years ago was such a huge, like monumental exponential kind of race where every year there was a new camera that was twice as good in so many ways, right? That it was, that, 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 it was much more driven saying. by products even. Yeah. Even then, right. Then our parents were, but I think it's slowing down again. I mean, yeah, there's this push towards mirrorless and all the rest of it. And, and while, you know, some people have, reasons for doing all those things. Whenever I read an article, that's like, you know, 10 reasons to get rid of your SLR and get a mirrorless camera. I'm always like, oh God, would everyone just stop buying stuff? Right. That's not going to make your pictures better. Yes. It's a pound and a half lighter, you know, like, but th- th- this is not an improvement on what we're making. You know, it's just more gear. That well, makes- and, it, and it, it is, there's, there's much more of a qualitative difference than, when we were growing up, you know, if you, if you took a Nikon F with a, a roll of Tri-X yeah. and shot and, it next to a K1000, you're going to get this virtually the same thing, Yeah, you know, or, or next to an F3 or an F5 or an F6. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Whereas if I shoot with a Nikon 885 versus uh, a, you know, that was what three megapixel versus a Nikon, Right. 810, which is 36 megapixel. Well, those yeah. are night and day. Sure. Yeah. But if you take a, you know, 24 pixel Nikon and Pentax and Canon now, you're going to get a very similar thing. And you know what? The, 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 the specs have not, you know, I'm using a 22 megapixel Canon. My last camera was a 22 megapixel Canon. The one before that was a 21 megapixel Canon. You know what I mean? Like that, that uh, things have flattened off a lot in a lot of right. ways. You know, there hasn't my my differences in the image quality I get from my camera in the last four years, uh, marginal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're small. Mm-hmm. And I think that so I think that in some ways, the internet on top of the marketing on top of this weird sort of uh, ex, uh, what is that? What are they? Inflation period. You know, sort mm-hmm. of like when the ex, when the universe expanded super quick, really fast for a little while. Um, I feel like th- that that time. I mean, all these camera companies—they're having a hard time because people aren't replacing their cameras like they were two, three years ago. Right. You know, because you don't need to. 
It's the same thing with the computer world is the same thing, right? Computers yeah. are now becoming commodities in some ways, you know, and what's in the same way cameras are. It's like whatever camera you have, it's probably good enough, you know? Um, but it's, so Until yeah, the X pro two comes out. Well, anyway. yeah, right. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but I think a lot of it is marketing and that's the problem with even going to a lot of these photo shows or the thing you're thinking of going to tomorrow. It's like, yeah, there's great people speaking and everything, but like it's all paid for by phase one and by whatever. Right, and, but right, it's right, like, right, it's, right. It's, when it comes down to it, it's all just marketing money and trying to get people to buy crap, you know? Um, and it's the same thing with the photo plus expo or whatever it is at the end of the month or whatever it is. You know, you walk around, it's like, ugh, you know, I, I used to like it when I was younger and now it kind of makes me feel icky. It makes me feel dirty, which is probably why we don't really talk about gear all that much on the show. Yeah. Um, all right, Justin, uh, I was thinking yesterday, good for you, Justin, (laughs) glad that worked out for you. Uh, the discussion we had about what people think or what speaks to people would be a good topic to get more in depth. Uh, Wadman and I talked on Twitter about a few shots he posted at MoMA. Oh, when I was there last week. Yep. Right. Some things just didn't make sense to me. I'm not sure I'm getting worse with how I look at art, pictures, painting, sculptures. I saw David here at Caesar's <laughs> Palace. Of course, not there, the There's real your problem one. there, Justin. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but still it's art. And yet, I get that, but why? To me, it's a naked guy. Um, hmm, well, okay. David, for as just like the quick example, when you see the real thing and you see it out of the block of that marble and you think one guy saw a block of marble and cut yeah. that out of it. Yeah. Can, can I say, I, I, hand to God, sobbed when I saw David. Yeah, it's something. Just standing there, it's, it is so overwhelming. Yeah. And you look at it and you go, okay, I see that the proportions are wrong. And I see that this is, you know, there's some foreshortening and there's this and there's that. But it's all on purpose. (laughs) And yeah. And, and, and he knew that because he knew from where his audience would see it and, and adjusted accordingly. And, And like you just said, he didn't see a block of marble. He saw David. Yep. And, and, and and cut the extra stuff away. Yes. Yeah. And, and that just, you're, you just go, you know, you don't, I mean, that, that is, you know, when we were talking last week, uh, about, about the parentheses earlier today, the whole skill (laughs) thing that we were talking about at the beginning, whether or not like auto modes and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, You know, when you see somebody who has such chops, you know what I mean? When you see something, you go. My God, the skill that that person has even to pull that off. Right. Like there, there is artistry just in the fact that somebody was that good. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now, beyond that, like, you know, to what speaks to somebody. <sighs> I don't know. You know, it's like uh, like I was saying on last week's show, like the whole the cutout stuff, the the Matisse, the, Matisse the paper thing. cutouts. Yeah, yeah, I was like, you know, a few of them were really cool. But a, fr- a friend of mine from high school was gushing about the show the day or two before I went and how wonderful it was and all the rest of it. And I kind of went in and I was like, it's okay. Yeah. Like it didn't speak to me, right? It obviously spoke okay. to him. That right. is okay. Yep, yep, yep. You know, Justin, don't don't feel bad that, that you just see naked guys, you know, in, in these statues or whatever. Don't feel bad. I mean, yeah. it's not... Okay, that doesn't speak yeah. to you. So what find, does? Find, yeah, find what does. Yeah, right, yeah. Although, find I mean... what does. I, yeah. 
I was going to sound like a snob, but I'm not going to sound like a snob. Um, I was just going to say that like seeing the real thing and seeing a copy, I'm not going to do it, but yes, I am going to do it. They're two different things. And I know that that's like, Oh, you have the money to go to Italy. Yes. I went to Italy and I've seen the real thing, but like there's, it's, it's just like seeing, you know, I've seen paintings that I, the, the, the calling of St. Matthew, the Caravaggio, I'd never seen it in real life. I saw it last year while I was in Rome and it was better in real life than it was in any recreation I've seen of it. You know what I mean? Like you could get a better sense of the quality of the work and just, Oh, it was just amazing anyway. So, uh, but yeah, it's what speaks to just something speak to you. You know what, what does, um, there's lots of stuff in MoMA. Like the, uh, my sister's really into Chagall, for example, mm-hmm. I look at Chagall and I, I go, it looks like a dream of a six year old. Like, I, I mean, and maybe that's cool, but like, it doesn't do anything for me, you know, yeah, I, I where my sister, right. But do you understand what I'm saying when I say yeah. a dream of a six year old? See, right. But the, and my sister loves that stuff. It doesn't do anything for me. So, you know, you like the Rauschenberg. I did. I was never really into Rauschenberg. I'm kind of liking the canyons now. So yeah. like, so, you know, things change, I guess. Is- find, just find what works. Don't, don't yep. worry about what, what the art establishment says. This is what you should, like, you know, going back to your thing about the books, you know, reading the thousand, these are the thousand <laughs> books that you need to read or a hundred books or whatever. It is. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Find what works for you. Find what inspires you. Yeah. I used to, I used to know a guy and a really old guy named, uh, what was it? Bert Stern? I think his name was Dick Stern. That's his name. This old guy, I think I've talked about him before on the show, this old guy who I, who befriended me while I was in high school. He was like this, like sort of old school, very, very great books kind of learner kind of guy. And, uh, and he used to say, you know, like you should only read certain books. Like there's so many books in the world, but there's only so much time for the good ones. But it was always like what his opinion of the good ones was, you know? And, but he came from that generation where there was a definition of the good ones. Right. And I don't know that there, I think that that sort of, philosophical question has, has moved more towards a relativistic kind of place. Sure. Um, anyway, just so, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's why does certain art speak to somebody? I don't know. Cultural stuff. Sure. Um, upbringing, upbringing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you are younger, like my nephew who goes to school at the Smithsonian, he's seeing fancy, weird, you know, uh, a modern sculptures all the time at age three and four. Does that mean mm-hmm. that later in life, he's going to have an easier time of accepting those things than friends of mine who never go to art museums. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, you know? maybe not. Uh, I never saw that stuff when I was a little, little kid, you know? Uh, and there's stuff that I saw when I was in high school or in college or in my twenties or in my earlier thirties that I didn't really get. And I get now at 39, so there's also that where like your taste changes through time. Uh, let's see, Millie, best art photography movie ever. Just saw Blow Up, which wins for the weirdest, fantastic stuff. Blow Up is a weird movie. It is a weird flick where he's having like sex with the models and like. Is it, yeah. Do you think that that's what a lot of people in the '70s and '80s really thought it was like? I think that's what a lot of people in the seventies and eighties really did. I know. <laughs> I was going to say that. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't think a lot of that was fiction, right? What a crazy life that guy must have led. You know, the, yeah. the real guy was based, it was based on uh, what's his name, right? Uh, uh, we, yeah, we, we had yeah, we a photographer for the week of him. Yeah. Oh, now I got to look it up. All right. So best art photography movie ever. What do you got? Hmm. Art for me, Pollock art, uh, photography. 
I don't know. I mean, could you could you say Rear Window was about? It wasn't really about photography. Yeah, yeah. But there was a photography component to it. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Pecker. <laughs> no, uh, that I got the most enjoyment of and just felt good watching Bill Cunningham, New York. Oh, we're going documentaries. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed watching that movie. I don't, I wouldn't need to watch it again personally. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with you on Pollock. That's good. You know what actually does a really good job of, uh, imagining what it's like Pollock. There's that scene where he's working on the thing for Guggenheim where he knocked down the wall and yep. was just staring at the blank canvas for days. Um, and David then, the, Bailey. then it, then oh, it wait. cuts into the and he just starts painting that scene is, is like, gives gives me chills like that. That gets it. That's like mm-hmm. totally nails it. Uh, the other thing that did is the, the final um, scene in bed in Amadeus. Where he's oh, trans- yeah. Yeah, where yeah. he's transcri- yep. yeah that's awesome where he's dictating to Salieri yep, yep. you know um you know like now the trombones boom boom you know boom you know uh that was really good photography what other photography movies are there that I'm forgetting God that's hmm. tough you know there's that there's all those like weird like war movie ones um which are fine but just I'm surprised nobody's done an Abaddon biopic. Yeah, it's a good point. Maybe in a few years. I don't know. We'll have to think of that one. Maybe I'll come up with one after. Yeah. Um, you got this one? Uh, Lance, uh, an episode on learning. I'm getting a new, I'm not getting a new degree in photography. What are the best and maybe least expensive ways to increase my photographic skill and knowledge? Jeffrey's talked about Carl Taylor before, and some people have recommended Zach Arias, Frono's Photo, and Ahem, the new sponsor, Lynda.com. <laughs> we should probably That's do right. Linda's spot in a second. Where, yeah, where you should. Uh, What's wait. Frono's Photos? Fro- Jared Polin. I don't know that uh, guy. Not a fan. Okay, I, I don't know. Uh, Flern uh, for Flern, the Photoshop yeah, stuff I, was good. I, I, have, I, I have Zach's One Light thing, and it's okay. Um, yeah. Look, I still I, I've known Carl for for four or five years. I still think his DVDs, his his the way he teaches is still the benchmark. It is yeah. it is the one to beat. It, it comes down to how you learn too, and and you know, yeah, it, you, you might be right that like for for you, Carl hits whatever buttons. It could be for somebody else. It's you know, Zach says it the right way, or you know what I mean. Right, like it, it right. comes down to. Uh, the way you are, you know, it's tricky for me. I've always been the kind of guy who learns by biting off more than I can chew, hitting a wall and trying to figure out how to get over the wall. Yeah. You know, where it's like, Oh wow, I have no idea how to do this. And then I like, will look up how to do it or find other people who have done it similar and try to figure it out. Like for me, that's the way I learn. I've never learned well in a class kind of setting when it comes to this stuff. I Lance, I would say that that all of these people that you mentioned have a fair amount of free material available online. Yeah. Go try a bunch of them. See who speaks to you. See what speaks to you. See what style speaks to you. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, it depends what kind of pictures you're trying to take. I'm sure there's, you know, I think luminous landscape does stuff about landscape photography and printing and all that kind of stuff, which is, which it's really kind of driven on. Yeah. Um, and, and are you looking for direct instruction or sort of anecdotal knowledge? 
because those are two different ways of going about it too. There are a lot of, of interviews with photographers who talk about their experiences and how they did something, but it's not a step-by-step, you know, set this here, slide this here. So it, it, that's another component to how you learn. It's true. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so much to all of this stuff that like you can't, that's an almost impossible thing to answer. Um, did you ever take, you, you took photography classes in high school and stuff, right? Yep, I did. I took photography in high school. Yeah. Um, but then took, I, I know people who have degrees in studio photography and, and don't know anything about studio lights. It's like, you know, so, so there are people on all kinds. And then I know people who are self-taught that are geniuses. So it, it I, yeah, I only know one person who has a degree. Um, and he's, he's very good, a commercial product photographer named Ryan Beck. Uh, we went to high school together. He went to Brooks in Santa Barbara. Ah, where Randy um, Duchesne taught. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, um, Randy Keppel. Yep. His first photography job was assisting Ryan. Oh, there you go. So, and then he shot Patrick's wedding. So it all kind of goes in circles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's just, it comes down to how you learn. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, and, there's the thing is nowadays there are so many ways. Yeah. You know, there are a billion videos on YouTube if you want to go the cheap way or there are more structured things and, and, and I've heard nothing but good stuff about Linda. So, yeah. you know, and there, and, and to some of your other points, Lance, uh, shooting more. Yes. Do that. Yep. Uh, posting to the critique wall and in, in the, in the group, Great idea. If, sure. if you, if there's something, Hey, how do I make this better? Or what do you think of the light here? Or how's the composition? One of the, if not the best thing about the OTP group is how supportive everyone has been yeah. in, in, in this period, you know, in this two years that we've been doing this thing. Do you, uh, I mean, yeah. Hanging out with better photographers, asking them questions while we shoot. That's, that's also a good one. Absolutely. I missed that. I missed that one in the writing here. Um, like I, I love telling people what I'm doing while I'm doing it. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. like, I like answering questions when I do it. And I, and if somebody else is working and then like, I'll, I, I ask less, but I, I, I peep a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, Oh wait, what is he doing there? Oh, you know what I mean? Like try to get a little right. bit of a, right. um, so yeah, that's a good one. Uh, we good. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? Why don't, why don't we talk about Linda now while we're at it? <laughs> wait, Oh, wait. we have a Linda have spot today. today. Yeah, oh, we do. Yeah. Linda. So let's talk about Lynda.com. You have a, do you have a song for Lynda.com? Let's see. L-Y-N-D-A-L-Y-N-D-A-L-Y-N-D-A-Spells Lynda.com. That's right off the cuff there. Are you sure you're not the one who went to music school? Lynda.com is an easy and affordable way to help individuals learn. Uh, instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on business, software, web development, graphic design, and more. Uh, Lynda.com works directly with industry experts and software companies to provide timely training, often the same day as new versions or releases hit the market, so you're always up to speed. So, for example, tomorrow or Thursday when – or actually last Thursday yeah. when uh, Yosemite was released – uh, you know, I'm, I bet you there's going to be stuff up on Linda about what changed in Yosemite and how to make it work for you and blah, blah, blah. Um, all courses are produced at the highest quality. These aren't homemade videos on YouTube of a guy going, so, so then, um, hold on a second. Let me move this palette. Um, go, yeah, go, up, go up to the file menu. You know, it's, <laughs> that was good. I like you being the dog in the background. <laughs> 
Um, courses are broken into bite-sized pieces so you can learn at your own pace and learn from start to finish or just go find a quick answer. You're like, wait, how the hell do I use the quick mask feature? Yeah. Uh, so you can go find that out. Uh, let's see. Tools include searchable transcripts, which is a really good idea. Um, playlists. Way, uh, what? 3,405 results for quick mask. There you go. <laughs> oh, we're going there now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, tools in- include searchable transcripts, playlists, and uh, certificates of course completion, uh, which you can publish on your LinkedIn profile. Great if you're a professional in the field. So, you know, you do something about learning how to administer RAID 10 servers, you can you can go do that. Um, uh, whether you're a beginner or advanced, lynda.com has courses for all experience levels. Learn while you're on the go with lynda.com apps for the iPhone, the iPad, and Android. Uh, one low price of $25 a month gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials. Could you imagine? 68 of them are RAID 10. <laughs> are you serious? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Premium members with an annual plan can download courses to their phones, pads, or Androids and watch them offline, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, I don't like the way they use the word Androids, though, in the read. Androids. Anyway. Androids? Yeah. You can put them to your iPhone, iPads, or Androids. Uh, watch or, them offline. Or, or Premium plan, yeah. Premium plan members can also download project files and practice along with the instructor. So if you're the kind of person who says, "I want to do exactly what he was doing on 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 the screen to the file he's doing it with," you get the premium plan. You can download the the templates to to play along, yeah. and that's kind of cool. That is cool. So if if you're the, yeah, if you're the kind of person who needs to watch the person and do it along with them, right. Gauge then, your progress, gauge right. your results. Yeah. Then, 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 then that's the way to go. And for any software you rely on, lynda.com will help you stay current with all software updates, learn the ins and outs of your software tools to become more efficient and productive. And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, we were just in the, the, the last, the last, uh, topic, uh, just saying you know, how to learn, like, this is a great way to learn, you know? Uh, so go check out, uh, lynda.com and we've worked out a deal with them and you know to provide you with a special offer to access all the courses free for seven days you can visit lynda.com slash otp to try out lynda.com for free for seven days thank you very much to lynda for supporting five by five and on taking pictures uh we really hope you go check them out uh, especially if you're trying to learn uh, i think they're the way to go yeah and it's look this is 250 a year i know that's ridiculous yeah well, that's the thing. I mean, you could go take a course at your local whatever, but, you know, for $250, you can learn as much as you want to learn. Right. I mean, if you had a lynda.com account and an Adobe Creative Suite account, it's like the triple threat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though there are only two? You know what I mean. Well, you, you're in there too. So it's you, lynda.com, and the Adobe Creative Suite is the triple threat. <laughs> All right. Wise, wise guy. Yeah. Uh, Troy Moore, going beyond the legal definition of what's okay to shoot and display, talking about the ethics of using photos we take in public. Well, this kind of goes back to what we said last week about the oh, people about on the, the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Don't shoot people up skirts, whether it's legal <laughs> or not. But, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? You know what's that? creepy? Shooting up skirts. Do you think that people should ask permission before they take pictures? Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I typically do like, if I'm like, like streets to like walking around LA, unless it's from, from a distance, if they happen to be walking on the road and I'm, and I'm shooting fine. But if it's a portrait type of thing where they are the focal point, they are the subject of of the image. I will ask for permission. 
even if would you ask permission after because sometimes by asking permission you're ruining the photo you're trying to take if you're trying um, to take a picture of somebody sitting there reading their book and they've got a chai latte with a straw and it's like set up perfectly the minute you say excuse me and they take the thing out of their mouth you've just lost your shot true I, I, yeah i don't know it's case by case i i gauge it against how likely i am to get beat up <laughs> you know or thrown have things thrown at me or something i don't know yeah yeah you know i I typically ask yeah and if i if i'm not asking i try to do it very i'm one of those guys who will like turn the camera sideways and act like it's by my hip you know what i mean and take the picture like i'm not the guy who's just going to stand there and kind of try to sneak a picture of you with it up at my eye right Um, i mean again it it depends on the composition yeah, some people are really into that though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for me, eh, it doesn't it doesn't really. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to ask, although it does change the dynamic a lot. But then again, if we didn't have those people, then <coughs> excuse me, all the people, uh, all the pictures of you know the blind people on the subways and you know the classic Walker right. Evans or whoever the hell took all those shots with the camera in the box. I forget who sure, it was. Sure. Um, I mean, there's something to say for recording society as it is at the time that you're taking pictures Mm -hmm. and just naturally trying to do that displaying as for displaying them. Mm. Well, if you're doing an art show or it's up in your website, like, eh. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one too. I mean, the the, the guy that that shot the the photos of his daughter, his two year old daughter, is that okay to display it? It it seems like the the guys that remember the ones in the window from across the building we talked about like a year and a half ago, which I really liked. They were great pictures. But yeah, yeah it almost seems like that. some people, especially with the guy that, that took pictures of his daughter, it wasn't the taking of the pictures. It was how he chose to display them that they had the problem with. You mean putting them online? Right. Yeah, but you know what? Pretty soon online is, online is going to be the only way to display pictures. Right. So I feel like that's a little bit of like a Luddite kind of view. No, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I listened to that guy's interview on Candid Frame the other day, actually. Yes, um, I did too. It was interesting. I tended to agree with him most of the time. Um, I, I found some holes in the story. Yeah. I didn't want to dig too deep. Yeah. Um, uh, there, was a, there was a little bit of, for me... A, uh, I mean, like, in that case, it's his kid. The pictures are not pornographic. Like, he should be able to do what he wants. But, like, if it was somebody else's kid or whatever it is, well, I don't know. I, tend I, mean, I, don't, th- I don't even know if I agree with that statement. That it's his kid. He can take pictures of his kid and put them where he wants. Yeah. Well, who should decide when he can put pictures up of his kid? Uh, I don't know who should decide. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I found yeah. some holes in the story. Yeah. I, ju- I, uh, I prefer to leave it at that. Yeah. I don't, um, it's it's it, yeah it is it is a weird thing. I don't know the ethics of taking pictures. It's it's tough. I I do think though that in much the same way as Stranger Danger and all the rest of those other things, we are overall an overly cautious society. You know, there isn't somebody trying to kill you around every corner. Okay, now wait a minute. Here, let okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's jump ahead then to Tyler's thing here. Okay, go ahead and read it. Uh, former Opie and Anthony host, Anthony Cumia was assaulted by a woman after taking her photo in New York at 4 a.m. in Manhattan. 
Forget his rant that led to the release from the sh- his. Re- oh, they kicked him off the show because of this. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't. I don't know anything about this. Okay, what would you I do don't, if you I were confronted by somebody who was upset that you were that you photographed? Um, where's the line when people photograph in public, large crowd versus an individual? Yeah, you know, I don't want to get beat up over a photo. I don't want to either, which is generally one of the reasons why I don't take street photos. It's like it's not worth the chance of it getting into a big altercation for me. And mm-hmm. some people are real jerks about it, and some people are fine with it, you know? You know the old adage whenever they talk to people, like a lot of these um, photojournalists who go to other countries and stuff, and, and they just say, yeah, you know, I just smile, and if they say whatever it is, like, oh, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? You sort of make that, like, sort of half bow, sorry about that right, kind of thing. Right, 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 That That it's all about just making the human connection after the shot, and not that, that sort of diffuses the situation most of the time. Um have I ever been confronted by somebody who I took their picture after I took the picture? I'm I'm sure that I have, but I can't remember a specific time. I see. I feel weird about that because part of me would want to stand my ground and be like, what is your problem? It's a picture. You know what I mean? Like the, I didn't just steal a million dollars out of your bank account or, you know, like, you know, have sex with your daughter. You know, like what, what what is, what is your problem? Um, I, but people to, are weird about it, that kind of stuff. And it, sometimes it won't even be a verbal ask for me. I'll, I'll kind of just hold up the camera and, you know, like nod my head yeah, like, yeah, is this yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, th- so there's no exchange that happens. Well, have you ever had your picture taken and been upset about it? No. I mean, yes, I've had my picture taken, but no, I haven't been upset about it. Yeah, sometimes I see. Not, 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 well, actually, I take that back. I take that back. Um, I, I don't like it. Okay. But I, I will only say something about it if it's somebody I know. If the photographer is somebody you know. Right. So if I took a picture while we were on our photo walk in LA, you would say something. You'd be like, oh, I, yeah, I used that not, picture. I didn't yeah. like that. Whatever. Yeah. Um, or it's not even a matter of not liking it. I don't, I don't, I don't even want to see it. Right. I, I don't like photos of myself. Right. At all. Never have. Um, yeah, I, man. This is tough because, you know, sometimes I see there was a guy once on the subway with like a digital SLR around his neck and had a really wide angle lens on like a fisheye, like a 14 millimeter or something. Like You could tell it was just like bulging in the front, you know. Okay. And he had it like around his hip and I could see that he had a cable hooked up to his other hand, like behind his back. So, oh, okay. <laughs> he was, you know, incognito taking pictures. And... I saw it and I knew what he was doing, but like, I let him take pictures. Like what, what's the difference? You know what I mean? Like if he gets something that's really great and is going to change society, like, well, whatever, that's my price for living in a public world. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I don't really, I'm not super concerned with the way I look and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not overly concerned about that. stuff. Says, says the guy who goes to the gym twice a day to row. I go to the gym twice a day to row mostly from, for health reasons, not just how I look, you know? All right. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying not to become my father. You Good. Know? Cause you know what, <laughs> you know what? You're going to die. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, you know what? In the meantime, I want to make sure I don't have a heart attack at 45. Um, yes. so yeah, so there's Tyler's question. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's go to Mitch. Uh, okay. What about selecting famous or maybe not famous image that either of you really likes and explore what it is about the image that appeals to you? What is it about it that makes it good? Do you have a favorite photograph? 
Um, hmm. Do I have a favorite photograph? I don't know if it is my absolute favorite, but it's up there. And that is the shot of Dovima and the elephants by Avedon. Uh, that is a great picture. Uh, I should, I should, I should, he did two. Uh, the one in the black dress, not the wide angle, like one in the white dress. And interestingly, Avedon always saw that shot as a failure. Uh, why did he say that? Because the white sash, he always thought it should have continued off to Dovima's left to to continue the line of her torso. And instead it went to the right and he said it, it broke it broke the line, it broke the energy in that photograph, but he only had the one shot at it. So regardless of, the, of whether it's become this sort of iconic photograph, he always thought Wait, of it. Wait, the one in the black f- dress is the one you like? Yeah, black dress with the sash. But you, he thought the sash should be swinging sort of... To, to her left, our to right. To her left. Camera right. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's still successful as it is, though. Because you know what? It, I feel like it follows the curve of coming off her right hand, going through her torso, and then kind of curving around towards her feet. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he, a, wanted it, he wanted it to continue the line of from the, her of, right of, hand, torso, and yeah, out, yeah, out to the right. I see. And all the way up his, uh, the trunk of the elephant. Right. Um, okay. That's, that's fair, I guess. That's one of my favorite photographs ever. Uh, it, that is a good photograph. I, you know, that was yeah. one of the ones that I don't think was quite as successful in, in, uh, what's his name's recreation documentary. The, uh, um, uh, uh what's his name? Um, ah, oh, Rankin. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't. No, no, no. That's the one that was just like, yeah, you didn't quite get it on that one. I thought the Chaplin one kind of worked for me the best out of those. Uh, could be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you, what do you, what have you got? Do you have a favorite photograph You know, or something that's up there? I have a lot of photographs that I really like, you know, a photograph I, whenever I think about photography and I think about my own photographs and what makes them good. Uh, I think about that Kurtesh photograph that they talk about at the beginning of genius of photography, that guy the, on the street, the, the bridge. Yes. With uh-huh, the train. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's like, I always look at that picture and I think, you know, it's got the guy in the foreground with the with the wrapped framed thing or whatever it is. Yeah, he's carrying it's, something. Right, and you don't know what it is. It's got the train up there, which if it didn't have the train, it wouldn't be a great picture. If it didn't have the guy in the bottom, it wouldn't be a good picture. So a lot of times when I'm making things, I kind of think, does this have enough elements that it kind of gets to the level of that Kurtesh? Um So I think about that photograph a lot. Um there's something about that one that I just like. Uh, so, so yeah, I don't know. It's, um, you know, that's a good question. I think I'd have to prepare more for that, but that's one that pops in my head when I think about it. Uh, wait a minute. Is it, wait a minute, where let's, can we find that real quick? Sure. Uh, open image here. This one here. Sorry. I'm trying to get to the bottom there. This one here. I'll put it in the show notes. Not too many show notes for this one, but we're going to, we're going to, yes. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's something about it that, and and like everything's weighted kind of right. And there's lots of, you know, I don't know. There's something about it. That's really nice. The the person in the, in the background on the sidewalk kind of looking, is, is that person looking at him or is is that person looking at Kurtesh? Yes. Yeah. 
So there's like I don't know it's it's multi-layered in an interesting way and I keep mm-hmm. looking at the uh the the scaffolding on the train bridge yeah on that trestle just thinking, in the like background it, it's just it's and look at the signs on the on the walls mm-hmm. you know Merdon or wherever this was taken out south of Paris I found it once on a map like where it was on Google Maps I like did some you know did some sleuthing trying to figure out okay I know it's in Paris I know it's in Merdon I know that you know and I found it one day it was kind of cool so yeah you know so I guess there's I guess we each have our our thing. I'll put a I'll put a uh, a link to the Avedon you like on there as well. Oh, okay, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, good stuff. I don't know. We have to think about that more. I guess we could go back into that if we want. Um, what all you got? What do you got next? Uh, we're Sorry down to Arnie, that. I think. Yep. Uh, okay, I've been thinking about why texture, grain canvas etc. can enrich a photo. Are modern digital photos too clean or perfect? Ooh, that's a good one. What do you think? I think sometimes they are. Um, I have in the past added grain to my photos at times. Um, I mean, that is the argument that people make when they talk about, you know, why they like the old Polaroid look of a Instagram photo or whatever it is with a filter, right? is that it sort of gives it some character. And, and I always make the joke of how Edwin land would, you know, hit the person for, for mucking up their perfect photo. They got off their iPhone. That's an actual good representation of what it was in front of the lens. Right. Um, but there is something to say about the fact that it's like, it's too literal. Maybe, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. there isn't enough interpretation in it. And sometimes the interpretation comes to lighting and, and the subject and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 but sometimes it needs more than that. I mean, you know, look at the stuff in my conceptual area of my site and, you know, none of that stuff is right out of camera. So I guess I'm as guilty as anybody else. Um, I, you know, I personally, I don't, when people add, you know, when people add like a layer of grime and then do like a soft light or a hard, you know what I mean? They add, yep, yep, yep. To add that kind of lens. Yeah. Dirt. Sort of like the early Joey L kind of look, mm-hmm. um, that stuff I'm not a big fan of. But I think sometimes grain, as a general rule, can sort of um, blend things together, uh, similar to sort of going over a painting with a with a wide brush and you know just like giving a little something that that kind of blends things into each other so the lines aren't so hard. Right. Um, I found that 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 grain can do that. I actually have a grain image. Uh, what is the is the alien skin that makes exposure? Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes. Exposure four. I think they're up to now. Uh, wow. They really that far up. Anyway, years ago when exposure, uh, made, they had a really good simulation of grain. This was, you know, four or five years ago before grain got added to Lightroom. If that makes any sense. Oh, I'm sorry. In- exposure six. Yeah. There you go. Exposure six. Yeah. If you want to put it in the show notes, I, can, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I put a I put a link to it over there. Um, now I'm not necessarily saying you should go get the software, but they they do film stock uh, emulations and uh, they do uh, uh, different grain structures. And they've actually they basically gone and done micro photographic scans of film grain, so their grain looks really authentic. You know, whatever. Right. Um, and one day I I made a like a 6,000 by 4,000 sheet of grain. Uh, 
on gray. So it's like medium gray sheet of grain so that I can stick it on stuff and do an overlay mode and add grain and then pull down the opacity a little bit, if that makes sure. any sense. So I have a I have a file called grain.psd that sits on my photo directory at the top level that I grab for things like that. Although nowadays you can do a lot of that stuff like in Lightroom is pretty good um, that way. I mean, you, you yes. love texture. I do love texture. Right. So for you, but it makes sense. I, I, I like, yeah. But I mean, look, the, these films, if you're trying to emulate a film, they all had different grain structure. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think alien skin, you know, yeah, I'm not trying to replicate a specific grain structure. I just want a little bit of grain to sort of, you know, there's a thing in, in audio. Um, so, so, Digital audio systems are almost perfectly linear, right? You know, if you go up one dB, you're going to record one dB more. Um, and But at the top, they hit a brick wall, right, where you can't go above zero, right? So, you know, it, 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 it hits a wall. And down at the bottom, way down by, like, where it starts at the noise floor, um, if things go from the system can't register it to the system can register it. There's like this, there's this point at which it fluctuates between nothing and one and it, it gets, it gets messy. And so what they do in digital systems is they actually add hiss in, they add dither so that at the bottom, there is hiss underneath the music that they do on purpose that actually makes it a, a more linear system, if that makes any sense. And I feel like in some ways it's the same with photography where by having that grain in there, it gives the image something to sit on sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, I was at when I was at MoMA last week, there was a four by six foot print of uh the Avedon American West, one of the like the hobo guy, you know, in the suit. Oh, right, right, right. You know, with a really crinkly face and whatever it yep, is. Yep, really textury, yeah, like yeah. freckles and wrinkles. And you know what? That was shot in eight by ten and printed big, and there ain't no grain in there. So <laughs> It's not like everything that was shot with film had grain. You know, grain is generally when you're blowing something up a lot or you're using films at, at higher film speeds. And you know what I mean? So right. it's not like in grain was inherent in the system before digital always, you know, it, 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 really good film and really good lights or whatever it is. Like it's certain at most blow up things. You wouldn't be seeing the grain, but yeah, it's fun. Guy, to, it's fun check to your, add. check your thing. Yeah. Let me see. Um, uh, that guy, different picture, but yeah. Okay. That but guy. yeah, that guy. Um, so, so, you know, I don't know. How do you, do you think, do you think that it can be overdone? Sure. It can be. I, I definitely think it can be overdone. Um, but I do like, I do like the grain and I under, I, I get the whole thing about film digital, you know, film was all crystals, right? Uh, yeah, like, oh, well, uh, black and white. Yeah, it's it's like little crystals of silver, right? You know, yeah. So, and and they are they are different shapes and sizes, which is the right. other thing, right? So the light is going to reflect yeah. off of those things and do different things. And I, you know, I I don't know. Is, is there a way we can emulate that? Yeah, I think if I you know. if you have an image that if you have a digital image that is of a higher resolution than you really need, you're by adding grain to it you're you're technically losing resolution but it may make for a more pleasing image at times Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense um yeah i don't know i i do i do add it sometimes i don't add it all the time and it depends what i'm going to be doing with the images i used to add it to stuff that i was sending to clients like for magazines and stuff and i don't really anymore um 
But yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny. Sometimes you'll add stuff, a grain to an image, and you'll be looking at the computer, and then you print it out, and you can't see any of the grain. Right. You know. And then there's other times when, like, I've shot ISO 800, like Portra 800 on a 35 millimeter camera. Like, I'll put Portra 800 in my Leica and go walk around. And I took a picture of my sister that used to be on my wall, and people were walking through the frame behind her. It was kind of this neat picture. I'll have to see if I can find it. Um, and there was a um, – it was – even at ISO 800, it had so much grain that it was it was surprising how much grain it was, if that makes any sense. Like I, w- I was like, holy crap. Like even 800 ISO on film, especially color film, was so grainy as to be distracting in the grain. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's different strokes for different folks, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I'll see if I can find that picture and put it in. Uh, what's the next question? Uh, next one, Jacko, uh, I'd love to hear your opinion on the future of pro photography in society. And if photography has anything to give in the modern art world, oof, just a little question. Yeah. It's just the, you know, I, just something I've been thinking about. Yeah. Uh, No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're not answering or no it has no meaning no, in the it modern has nothing. world. Yeah, it has nothing. I don't know. What do you think? I I think it does. I mean, it's always going to be uh, a commentary, a reflection, an interpretation of the world around us. So I think it yeah. always will have value. Uh I think that's true and I also think that um I, I, like okay, he's he's saying will pro photography have anything? Well, of course it will. In the same way that pro writing does, in the same way that pro you know, lots of people write now, but there are still the people who are the people who do it at a different level, you know, and that's okay too. Um, I don't, uh, will it change? I think the business model will yeah, change the business as model it has will been. change. But I mean, I guess the, I guess the question is if he's asking whether, uh, uh, pro photography from a quality point of view and if, you know what I mean? Pro being people who are, in this sense, people who are dedicated to the craft and excellent about it for whatever, however I just define that, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, versus pro as in people who make their living doing it, you know, is that still, I think there will always be people who are professional photographers who, who, you know, people go to professionals, not because they know what they're going to get most of the time. And that's okay. You know? Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I would like to see, um, search somehow become better instead of depending on metadata keywords, et cetera. So computers, what looking at and saying, I want to see yeah. pictures or whatever, and it figuring some, them out. Yeah. Some sort of contextual search rather than, because right now you're depending on someone to tag that. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's true. Although the, I mean, even I think that, um, Google and those guys are working on stuff where they're trying to figure out mm-hmm. uh, how all this stuff works. And I think that that's fine too. Yeah. I, w- um, I would love to see a more sort of context sensitive or context aware way to search image databases. Yeah, me too, actually. Uh, but it, I mean, Google's pretty crazy. You know, when you like, you can, you can upload a picture and it'll find other instances of that picture. Right. Right. Like they're right. getting there. Okay. Uh, yes. Or they're but, headed in that direction, I guess. Let, let me describe characteristics and find that picture. Yeah. Well, you know what? Things like the, remember Shutterstock was doing the whole thing with, uh, you know, tell it that it's, um, 
you know, I, I want a blue a picture with blue whatever in it, and you know that kind of stuff. Right. But still, I think on the back end, that data had to be generated by someone or at some team of people. Uh, true. Is yeah. is there a way that 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 uh, these things can just be recognized? You know, almost like, you know, you've got face detection in, in so many modern cameras now, and, and now they can even detect multiple faces. Well, can we can we detect, you know, car tires and, and columns and, you know, different elements in a photograph and and be able to search those without having that? I think it's within the next five years. Yeah. You know. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. Uh- does it have anything given the modern art world? I think that it has a very big part in the modern art world. Absolutely. Um, I think that the the these the digital photography revolution is allowing people to create all kinds of stuff that they couldn't even imagine before. You mm-hmm. know. Um, so I that, would love to see pop up galleries, pop up. <laughs> you know, almost like they have pop up restaurants. It's it's there for twenty four hours, and maybe they're images that were shot the twenty four hours before. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is a lot of places it's very expensive to do that. But yeah, do, you do it on the do it on the hush, man. On the down low. We, we don't we don't need no stinking permit. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to send you a picture by the way in in Skype. Um let's see what do we got? One couple more. Um like to hear you and Jeffrey Stores harp on why gear talk is so boring but still so popular with camera nerds. I think that's because it's easy. Yeah. You know what? You don't actually need to go take it. pictures. You could just talk about speeds and feeds and well, and and a lot of this stuff is expensive and you want to talk about because you looked at it and bought it and look what I have and yeah. I mean it's the, look, it's no different than the car culture or nope. or you know, clothing culture yeah. or you know, accessories in it. It's no Some different. Some people like just playing with the dials. Yeah, it's no yeah. different. It's it's interesting um, though that like I remember when my, when I was younger my my uncle bought one of the first IBM PCs. In mm-hmm. fact, I think it was the original IBM PC, but he had and then he upgraded from dual drives, he put a heart a 20 uh, megabyte hard drive in it. And I used to play Wizardry at the time. Sure. And um he wouldn't this is this is kind of ironic. He wouldn't let me use the keyboard to play wizardry because you used to do like the W A D left W A S D. Yeah, all that whole thing. Well, no S back in the day. But yeah, W A D to like move around the thing. And he thought I was going to wear out his original IBM PC keyboard, which we now know have been going for forty years straight. Yeah. And yeah, can the, never the be broken. Hardware clickety clicks. Yeah, yeah. Um Wait, is this your sister, this photo? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, but she you, does not look happy. No, but do you see how grainy it is? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's you know, grainy. and this is ISO 800. I'm gonna, I'll put this up in the group or somewhere and link to it. But I didn't do anything. To this. this is like a straight scan, but just like look how much grain it is, you know. Uh, compare that to a modern picture at 3200 or 6400 or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I agree with you. Uh, and, and David, I think it's, it's, it's easy and it's just... Because there's some technical stuff to it. You know, all that technical stuff. You know, I, I, I mean, it's just, it is. It's just stuff. Um, and the technical stuff is fun, you know. For some people. Um, yeah, right. But I'm like, I'm a technical photographer. I love talking about that stuff. I love trying to figure out how to get the light to do whatever it is and how much, how many watt seconds I need to do whatever it is. Like, I, you know, think about that all the time. Yeah. Um, but there's a point at which it's like, okay, 
there's knowing what, what tools you need to get the job done. And then there's like sitting around playing with your snap on screwdrivers because they feel good in your hand. You know? Yeah. It's like, I like snap on too, but oh, oh, and okay. I get, but the other thing is why is it, why is it boring? That's the other part. We haven't touched on yeah, that. Yeah, yet. get there. Why is, why is, is it, it boring? Well, some people think it's not boring. But yeah, he's asking us why. Do, well, you don't think it's boring. Oh, I see. I see. He well. Oh, he's he's saying you guys think it's boring. Why do you think it's boring? I okay. And this is weird. I I get more excited about the design of a camera than the guts of a camera. Right. Where I look at the spec sheet and look at. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I I like the design of it as far as how it feels in my hands, but I'm not going to make a judgment on it based on how it looks in press photos, which you might. Yes. Right. I mean, look, the, my, my X-Pro is not an ergonomic camera at all. It's a, it's a block of magnesium or aluminum or whatever it is. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, but it, there is something about that design that speaks to me. Um, there are certain lenses that I think look really incredible just from an object point of view. There are, you know, I, I, the, little, the little viewfinders that, that, that slide into the hot shoes. Yeah. Love those. Yeah. Right. So you, yeah, yeah, you're, 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 yeah, you're the aesthetic guy, which I, I fetishize the object itself, not the specs behind it. Right. 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 Um, where, right. And I, I mean, <clears throat> I like the object, but the specs have to be there too, you know? Um, so yeah. So it, which, which reminds me, speaking yep. of which, would you please, and we can, I'll remind you again, but could you maybe bring your Leica to Philly just so I can, see it and uh, hold it yes i do have to get it back from cisco though cisco well i have an m7 is that good enough or do you want the that's M4? fine no that's fine you kind of want the m4 i'll get i'll get the m4 back from uh i just want to bring a roll of triax and shoot a roll of triax real quick yeah. do you want me to bring a hasselblad too mm, no you want me to bring my four by five so you can walk around <laughs> would you please it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good um Yes, I can. Blood might be fun. <laughs> Remind me, and I'll, I'll bring yeah, I that, and I, I can bring a roll of each, and you can play with them. Okay. Um, I think I think what makes it boring for for me is that you know I like look. There are times I like listening to stuff on Twit where they're talking about the new specs of the new computer. Like that's fine, right? Right. Um, but I think for cameras, the problem I have with it is that a lot of the people who are talking about it are like. It's, there's a lot of blogs too, where they're, Oh, they're comparing these two different lenses and blah, blah, blah. Which one is sharper? Whatever it is. And I'm like, you know what? The sample photos you shot to like, talk about which one is sharper. They suck. You know, it's just like, yeah, you're a bad photographer. Like, so stop playing with your lenses and go take some, learn how to take a good picture and then worry about which one is sharper. I don't, you know, they're sort of like, it's putting the cart before the horse, you know, yeah. it's like the gear matters to an extent. Like once you actually know what the hell you're doing, but people get get obsessed with the gear and never actually learn how to use the gear. And then they're wondering why their pictures suck. And it's like, well, it's because you never actually took pictures with it. <laughs> nice. You've just been sitting around masturbating yeah. with your camera. Don't, don't don't tell me how sharp my 35 is. Tell me how lame it is to do focus by wire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, anyway uh, so I yeah. think that's the point. Okay. Uh, I don't understand this last question. Yeah, lo- uh, yeah, Lawrence asks or says – what would you both do in a Brewster's Millions scenario? I where love the Brewster's only thing, Millions, though. Yeah, yeah. Where the only thing left after 30 days is a single artwork. So 
you have to get rid of everything except one piece of artwork. Yeah, I don't quite understand what he's saying. The only thing left. The only thing left is so you have to give away. You have to spend all your money and keep one single piece of art. Hmm. Okay, let's let's, 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 let's say let's, that's let's, the truth. Let's assume that's the thing. What yeah. what single piece of artwork would you want? That's hard. Because would you want? Like, would you want one of those giant? You know what you would want. You would want like some Crutzen giant print. Yeah, I was just thinking. I I wanted after seeing. I I was just honestly. I want to revise. Mm. You're going to revise to your favorite photograph? Which, no. which, yeah. Ooh, that's tough. Look, Crutzen stuff is good, and there's a lot of stuff that's good in there, but is there a single image that really is that? No. It's that, that Beneath the Roses as a body of work. Yes. Is, is I agree. is lovely, but, but I don't I know that each individual image is yeah. as amazing as the group is. Although, Gregory, if you would like to send me one. Yeah. Yeah. Your choice. Yeah. Dealer's yeah. choice. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I uh, would gladly, you know. That's tough. Yeah. You like those big giant Gerskis? Like all the ones we've talked about, like the most expensive photograph ever. Like, do you like no. those? No. You don't like his stuff. I like the stock market one. Some of the Bertinsky stuff I like. Okay. Yeah. But mm, to make that kind of money, do you have to have a ski at the end of your name? I think so. <laughs> So it should be Krudzinski, yeah. right? Krudzinski. Krudzinski. Wadmanski. Uh, yeah. I, uh, you, also, you have to have a really big room yeah. for, for that kind of stuff. And I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable in big rooms. I don't like big rooms. What, what about like, what about, uh, what about uh, single, let's, let's stick with photographic art. What about like going back and getting like one of the first daguerreotypes and having that? Nah. By the way, I ended up finishing that book. Everyone should go read it. It's really good. Capture, oh, okay. Capturing the Captur- light. Yeah, capturing the light. Yeah, it was really good. Um, no, no. If if it's a if it's a photograph, I I yeah, I love the idea of a big Crudson print. Um, I you know a, a big Avedon print would be nice too. Yeah. Um, let's take it out of photographs. What okay. would you? Well, then I I'd probably go grab. I'd probably Caravaggio. I'd grab a Caravaggio painting. Probably yeah. St. Matthew, but there are so many. That's tough. Yeah, I, I'd have to go Rebus. Really? Yeah. Why not, not just get know. a Richard Serra thing in your living room? <laughs> no. Rebus, you could do Rebus and not have a huge room. Come on. Uh, okay. Any particular work? No, Rebus, the, the, the Rauschenberg work. Oh, the Rauschenberg one. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was flipped around. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That's that what you go cool. for. Yeah. Because I, I, as much as I like Canyon, there's too much, you got to dust it and there's, you know. Ugh. Yeah, that's a good one. Although, wait, where is this one? This is at. Um, Rebus? <laughs> yeah. It's in MoMA. It is? Yeah. God, I don't know if I saw this one last week. See, you should yeah. have come to New York. We it's could have gone to MoMA he, and a, seen canyons in this thing. It's the one. It's painted on drop cloths because he couldn't afford uh, canvas. Yeah, you know there was okay. Quick little aside in yep. the in the the uh, the Matisse thing, they were talking about how 
there was this one thing where he made like a, a swimming pool in a room. Like he, he, it was all, um, uh, what's it called on the walls? Not canvas. Um, uh, um, what's another thing like canvas? That, muslin? Yeah, not muslin. Linen? Like the, what's the stuff you make bags out of? Like a burlap. sack, burlap. It was burlap. And he had these things pinned up and then they took them down from the room and they were given to MoMA and they were going to put them up for this show. But the burlap had sort of the color had changed and it was weird. So they had to like remove it from the backs of, 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 of these, uh, um, of, of the paper. Right. And, uh, and so they, they, uh, they, they went through, and some of the time it just it came off easy. Some of the time they ground it off with a Dremel tool, and some Ooh. of the time they went thread by thread. Oh no 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 no! And there is a video that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put. In fact, I'm gonna uh, I'm, here I'm gonna put this little interactive thing in the show notes of them working on it in uh, where they were like pulling it out thread by thread trying to make it work. But the crazy thing is when they got the new burlap to lay it down to do it all again, they show them going through and finding the one errant thread in the burlap to pull it out and restitch to like make the burlap perfect. And I was like, you know what? The burlap wasn't perfect when Matisse did it. You know what I mean? Like his original burlap wasn't perfect. So why are you making this other burlap perfect? It's not about the burlap. It's about the stuff on top of the burlap. You know, that's just like... I don't know, I just found it interesting that they made that decision, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um anyway, it was it was uh interesting. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh that's good. All right, we got anything else? What do we got? Uh I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Um let's see. We don't ooh, we don't have an assignment. You wanna lay one out while we're doing it? Wait, how about the iPhoneography one, the phone one? Oh yeah, you wanna do it? Let's do that. All right. Get so, thee to a phone. So what's the what's the hashtag? Uh, I don't know. iPhone? Mobile? Mobile. Mobile photo? Mobile photography? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Mobile. <coughs> Going mobile. Uh, Going mobile. So the, for this one, we're taking, you can take anything you want, but you have to shoot it with your phone. Yeah, shoot it with your phone. Okay. Phones Fair are enough. good. Yep. Phone cameras, good. Sure. If, and if you don't have one, uh, then Borrow that's one. okay. Borrow one. Okay. Everybody's got to have a phone that has some sort of camera on it. You think? I think that right. that's a pretty safe bet. All right. I bet mobile. you there's more people who listen to our show who don't own a camera than there are people who listen to our show who don't have a phone with a camera in it. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Mobile. Okay. Uh, hashtag mobile. Got it. Hashtag mobile. <laughs> or, or, or going mobile. No, just mobile. Okay. Going mobile. mobile? Go mobile. Mobile's fine. Mobile's fine. Look at you. All going, right. Going off on a bent. Uh, photographer of the week. Who do you got? You, you, you found this. God, do I have to really, ha, I'm not going to attempt. You this just guy's threw name. this on me right here under the bus. Okay. Uh, JD. Okai. Okay. 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 God, that's a hard one. Yeah. If we have any Nigerian, uh, speakers, listen to the show right in and we'll figure it out. Uh, Nigerian photographer uh, died earlier this year. Uh, was born in 1930, so older guy. Mm-hmm. Um, around for a long, long time, and uh, is most uh, is work that's mostly known is uh, of hairstyles unique in Nigeria. So this guy did a whole series, like a typology of these crazy hairstyles that 
the women would come up with uh, in, in, in his home country. Pretty cool. And yes. when he was 20 years old, he bought a Brownie D camera without a flash and had a, t- a friend teach him the fundamentals of photography. Uh, he started out as a darkroom assistant. Uh, then he like uh, when Nigeria gained its independence, he he got a job as a photographer. He became a studio photographer. Uh, and then he started shooting these things. And we're gonna put some uh, some of the links to the to the pictures. You got those there? The like the C A Art Cart dot com one there. That link. Yes. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the people who have shot you know all those A framed. Uh, grain elevators and you know what I mean? Like the people who yeah, go around yeah, yeah. and say, I'm going to find every picture I can of this kind of device or this machine. Uh, okay. Apparently the name is Okai. Okay. Oji care. How'd you find that? I, I've looked it up. Quora. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or like, uh, 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 Oh, Winston link. Yep. Who, who, who shot all the, the, the great pictures of the trains in black and white. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which are terrific if you haven't seen them. Right. So, you know, there's, so I just, it's, it's just interesting because a lot of these were done in the seventies and that in, 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 in over in Nigeria. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of these kinds of things, especially over there, I'd imagine that this was very much of a time of a place or historical kind of stuff that people maybe did that. Maybe the people who live there now wouldn't do anymore. Like stuff that's gotten lost. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You Culturally. Know. You yeah. Mean. has got, Yeah. was getting passed down. And now as things get more and more Westernized in Nigeria, that a lot of this stuff is getting lost, you know? So in some ways it's a record of the way things were done back in the sixties and seventies that may have been maybe the last generation who worked this way, you know, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And Headdresses as well. In addition to the hairstyles. Yeah. And I like the fact that it isn't, they're not fancy lights and stuff. They're not, they're not great technical photographs, but that's not really what it's about. You know, um, they're, they're just, they're just interesting. Uh, yeah, they're like beautiful. Like you could tell window light kind of stuff or overhead skylight or something like that. Right. Um, uh, they're almost, uh, hmm, what was the guy's name? Uh, Curtis, Edward Curtis. They almost remind me of Curtis's photographs of oh, Native Americans. Of the Native Americans, right? But yeah, Edward Curtis, yeah. like, kind of became famous for having sort of lied about those, right? Or or created yeah, half of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean in, the, in tonally, tonal oh, yeah, quality. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's interesting though is that this is you know eighty years after Curtis was working. Mm. So it's also you got a question about like the 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 resources that this guy had access to, you know, probably less than you're trying to get good film in in 1965 and good, you know, chemicals and all the rest of it, you know, like that must, that may have been a a thing too, but apparently he's very beloved in Nigeria. When he died, it was, it was a big hit. Uh, interesting stuff. I thought it was, uh, uh, something different. Yeah. It's really interesting. This book looks fascinating too. Apparently, the Brooklyn Museum, among others, has uh, some of his uh, uh, some of his work, as does the Met. So I wonder if there's a way I could go see some in person. That'd be kind of neat. Uh, review on Amazon. The book captures 50 years of Nigerian women's hairstyles and represents only a fraction of his collection of hairstyle photographs, which numbers in the thousands. Yeah. It covers several decades of traditional Nigerian hairstyles. That's really interesting. <laughs> Something different. 
a very different take on it. The woman's faces remind us that this is a living art form. The portraits accumulated from weddings, offices, and public festivals truly convey the extent to which these styles meld contemporary style, sense, and awareness of traditional Nigerian adornment practices. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Neato. Yeah. I thought it was Good fun. find. Uh, yeah, I saw an article about him in the New York Times or something. So, you know what? I, I, how did I not have that link in there? look it up and get it in there um yeah, yeah there, was the, there was a news link that i it was a cnn thing here it is here i will put this in the show notes as well okay yeah let me see uh that. so um here uh, i got it show notes there i will put it in the show notes oops ah god sometimes the internet is a really difficult thing to make work um anyway good one uh yeah. anything else you haven't uh, you want to say no we're good on on uh yeah we're, yeah, we're good exactly we're good. an hour and a half yeah, good. Uh, okay, so hey, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Yeah. Uh, Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. I tweet at Jeffrey Sidoris. Uh, next week, good show. I already have some things that we've been, we've been uh, murmuring over. I, you've been doing more of the murmuring. But go ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> but you've, you've been helping me. You've been helping me through. I've been, I've been helping you murmur. That's right. Uh, I, I will have made it through the rain. And kept Through myself respected. The rain. <laughs> there it is. Sorry. And it's not Barry Manilow's birthday. God, that was, I think that was the best moment of the entire run of the show. <laughs> that was amazing. What show was that? We have to, I want to go back and listen to that. I don't know. Whereas well, like we happened just randomly talking about Barry Manilow's birthday <laughs> was Barry on Manilow's Barry Manilow's birthday. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. Well, all we got to do is look up Barry Manilow's birthday. That's go true. Back that, is, that is true. Yeah. That is true. All right. Um, all right. Hey, uh, one last thing before we, st- before we end, remember at the beginning, we were talking about like learning about art and whatever it is. Yes. There is a fade on press book called the art museum. That is, um, uh, 18 and a half inches by 14 inches. It's like 19 by 14, right? Huge. Three inches thick, 992 pages called the art museum. And it is an amazing book piece of work it's about a thousand pages let me see two thousand five hundred different works of art and it costs 72 dollars oh wow that's a great deal so you know i always thought about this like we have nieces and nephews and stuff and you just look at it and you go holy crap the amount of stuff that's in it yeah Uh, so vogue vogue review three thousand illustrations of the world's greatest (laughs) artworks wow so i'm just thinking if you want one book that like you know gives you an overview of art that you can just flip through when you want to get inspired or yeah 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 things justin start here right yeah 72 bucks or go to a library and find it but like i can't imagine this is the kind of thing you'd have for your entire life and pull out when you wanted to look up something about you know right Wow, this is cool. Um, and I've Hold seen on. it. They sell it at the MoMA bookstore, and it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, um, yeah, I'm going to have to add this to my wish they list. They make another one called... Added. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they make another one called The Art Book, which is uh, similar, uh, but has... It's all just different artists, like a page oh, okay. on each artist. Oh, yeah, I see. Here it is. Yeah, and this uh, one is... 23 bucks only. 600 pages, but it's 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 11 by 10, so it's like, you know, it's smaller. Still um, add that to my, my wish list too. Yeah. Both of them are really great. Mm-hmm. And they make one called the art book for children, which is 80 pages and smaller, but it's like, you know, uh, one for like little kids. So like little, little kids, you know, Neat. um, but she, I, I, I almost 
think you can't go wrong. Yeah, I have I have added both of those to my wish list. Yeah, I've seen them and been sort of jealous that I I'm just like, gosh, should I buy it? Should I already got a lot of books. Oh, you know, it's one of those. Yeah, but can't go wrong. Terrific. I'm gonna put a link in the show notes, so if you guys get those, you know, go through our link and it'll give us a dollar mm. fifty. That's nice. Um, that. Wow. Yeah. This yeah this 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 should be a textbook in every art history class. Yes, in this, the country, th- there should be a copy <laughs> of this book in every house. Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, all right, that's all I want to say. All right, so we will see you when I get back from uh, from my trip. Yes, photos in hand. I'm photos. Go, I'm, I'm only going to shoot from a tripod on this trip. That's that's my what, that's my rule. What, okay, what's your end game? Are you going to make a book? Are you going to do on what, this trip? Yeah, sometimes I do for myself. Maybe a blurb thing. Yeah, or maybe something? let's see what the pictures look like. You know, I might I might do something. I'm trying to figure out an angle for Philly and DC photographing. Um, not just like, oh, here I am in front of the Jefferson Memorial, or here's the Lincoln. You know, trying two to find very a different line. cities, but yeah, you yeah. Can try find something. Like maybe maybe South Philly. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. If you have any ideas, let me know. Uh, tweet me at Jeffrey Sidoris. Okay, sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Say what you want to say I know what you will say